The FT. The Swedish military is on high alert and has been conducting a large search operation after reports that a submarine, possibly Russian, surfaced off the coast of Stockholm. Moscow has denied the submarine belongs to it, but the incident comes amid growing worries in the Baltics about Russia's potentially hostile intentions. I'm Fiona Simon, a digital editor at the FT, and on the line with me is Richard Milne, our Nordic and Baltic correspondent. Hi, Richard. Could you bring us up to date with the latest on the submarine and explain the background to the incident? The search for the submarine is now into its fifth day, and there were three sightings so far, which took place on Friday and Sunday. And the Swedish armed forces haven't officially said what nationality of submarine they're hunting, except to say that they think that the underwater activity from a foreign vessel is ongoing. Svenska Dagblad, a well-respected Swedish newspaper, has said that Swedish intelligence picked up distress signals from the archipelago outside Stockholm. It's a group of 30,000 islands or so, so a vast area. And it picked up a distress call from a Russian submarine to Kaliningrad. So that's led everybody to believe that they're looking for a Russian submarine. But so far, apart from these fleeting sightings, nothing's been found. And we're now on the Tuesday morning into the fifth day and uh, the Swedish military appears to be starting to search in the open sea just outside the archipelago towards the south. And so this maybe suggests the odds of them finding something may be decreasing somewhat. Sweden has also imposed some flight restrictions, hasn't it? What's the reason for that? Well, during the search, they imposed various things. They have not said exactly why. They had uh, flight restrictions. They closed airspace in certain areas. They reopened it. They also told at one stage civilian boats to keep a distance of several hundred to several thousand metres for military boats. But those bands were also temporary as well. They're not saying why that is. And certainly, as we can see, given that this was yesterday on on Monday, those kind of bands, it wasn't that they were going to launch any kind of depth charges or or an attack against this purported submarine. In fact, they've been very clear that what they're not doing is a kind of submarine chase. What they're doing instead is an intelligence operation, which is a bit euphemistic, but it really means that they want to find out what is down there, what's going on, but it's not necessarily that they want to sort of search and destroy this submarine. Why are countries like Sweden and Finland getting worried about Russia's intentions? Well, Sweden and Finland are alone in the Baltic Sea area in not being in NATO. And the military alliance obviously offers, with its principle of collective defence, a rather strong security protection. And so there is a fear among some people, not just in those countries, but actually in the rest of the Baltic, that Sweden and Finland are more at risk and so... It's certainly noteworthy that so far this year, the actual incursions of Russian planes into sovereign territory have only taken place against Sweden and Finland. You also had a Finnish uh, research vessel saying it had been harassed by a Russian submarine earlier this month. And now this incident, even if it's not uh, confirmed uh, uh, that it is a Russian incident, this all adds up to some worry. Should these countries be in NATO? Are they spending enough 
on defence are they able to defend themselves? Only 6% of Swedes in an opinion poll trusted the ability of their country to be able to defend itself. And this plays into a there's a wider pattern of provocations uh, across the Baltic Sea area. Are these provocations significantly more than they have been in the past? There has been a step up and I think it's obviously tied to Russia's aggression in Ukraine and the resulting tensions between Russia and NATO countries. You've seen an Estonian intelligence agent be captured from inside Estonian territory by Russian special forces. That's something that hasn't happened since the time of the Second World War. You've had a a Lithuanian fishing boat seemingly in international waters seized by Russia. You've had Russia saying that it wants to prosecute deserters from the Soviet army uh, who are in Lithuania. And obviously the Soviet army, that dates back to 1990, 1991. So you have a lot of signs that Russia is trying to keep these kind of countries on their toes, but also a lot of signs that it's testing them, that it's probing them. It wants to see what their response is. It wants to see what the response of their allies are. And they want to see whether, you know, there's a united response or whether some countries take a different approach or if people get a bit bored, really, of hearing countries in the Baltic go on about uh, the threat from Russia. Of course, the other countries in the Baltic region are NATO members, aren't they? So what's NATO's stance towards this? And is there any indication that Sweden and Finland are going to step up their cooperation with NATO? Well, it was no coincidence that Barack Obama in September, just before going to the important NATO summit in Wales, stopped off in Tallinn in Estonia, and he gave a very clear message that the defence of Tallinn, Riga and Vilnius, that's the three capitals of the Baltic states, were just as important as the defence of London, Paris and Berlin. And many people felt that that message was needed, but that was to say to Russia, you know, hands off, these are NATO countries. NATO's also taken a number of steps. It's created a rapid reaction force particularly designed to be deployed in Eastern Europe. It's put a lot of uh, troops on a revolving, rotating basis into the Baltic countries. It's stepped up its air presence in the Baltics. I think it's got triple or even quadruple the number of airplanes it had before the Ukraine crisis. So from a Baltic point of view, there's actually quite a lot of satisfaction and also a sense that Ironically, in a way that Russia's aggression in Ukraine has actually caused the Baltics to get what they wanted out of uh, NATO. They probably would most of all like a permanent troop base, but they feel that short of that, they've got what they want. But this still remains unresolved. There's this slight doubt what would happen if Russia sparked a sort of low-level provocation or used the little green men that it used in Ukraine, in Estonia or Latvia, or Lithuania, would the US, would NATO be willing to go to potentially a nuclear war to defend these countries? And President Obama was quite clear, you know, it would defend these countries. But that question mark remains out there for some people. Finally, do you think Sweden, because it's not a NATO member, is feeling particularly vulnerable? And what action is it going to take? Well, I think if you spoke to people in the Swedish establishment, They would say they're not facing a direct threat. They would not see that Russia wants to threaten them in any way because they're non-aligned. They're no longer neutral, you can say, but they're not in NATO and therefore they don't think that they pose a threat to Russia. 
the question on the lips of many military experts is the status of the island called Jutland, which is in the middle of the Baltic Sea. It's seen as a perfect place to serve as a sort of staging post for attacking other countries in the Baltic Sea area. And Jutland is particularly exposed and there's a feeling that it's poorly defended and that it may be difficult for Sweden to supply the island. So um, that's one area. The Swedes have tried to send reassurance. They've tried to station some more troops there to show that they're taking the issue seriously. But like a lot of countries in the region and elsewhere, the Swedish defence budget has been cut back some time. So it's quite significant that this morning on Tuesday, the new centre-left government has hinted that in Thursday's budget, its first budget, it will increase defence spending. Thanks very much, Richard. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.